many churches are praying for our president today, so throughout the whole nation. So we just want to take a moment and join them. Now, this doesn't mean we are against him or that we're for him, but what it does say is we're following what the Bible says to pray for our leaders. So that's what we're going to do in this moment. We're going to pray for our, our leader, and we ultimately want him to... Um, lead us down a godly path. So let's take a moment, let's pray for our president, and then we're going to get into the sermon. Father, we pray for um, President Trump today, that you would guide him, that you would lead him, that you would protect him. Father, I ask that that he would come to know you very intimately, that he would uh, boldly proclaim your goodness that he will lead based upon what the word says. Father, I pray that you would protect him from the schemes of Satan, from the schemes of even just uh, crooked people. I ask that, that through his leading, this nation would become a Christian nation again. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Faith versus emotions. So we're into our Summer Soapbox series. That was one of the questions. Not next week, but the following week, we're actually going to talk about tribulation, the mark of the beast, end time prophecy stuff. So there's a lot of questions about that. So if you posted that, like, is microchipping, um, is, that, is that Satan and the mark of the beast? So uh, we're going to talk about that. Are we in... The, are we or are we close to the 42 bad months and then the 42 or 42 good months and then 42 bad months? Where are we? So the whole time we're gonna have like someone playing like this deep weird music like and really stir up your emotions, and that's really how all uh, evil music is, right? You hear it in every movie, just that. <laughs> you wouldn't be scared, would you? It'd probably be like that movie, Scary Movie, that was like trying to make fun of scary movies. That's kind of what that was. Faith versus emotions. So over the summer, we're going to answer these questions. Christian uh, cliches are actually um, really affecting the church. They actually really affect me as an individual because I see people online or I see social media and I hear what people say, and there's so many Christian cliches that often subconsciously affect the way that I see God. Does that make sense to you guys? You see these worship videos, you see, um, you always see the best on Facebook. Who ever posts their worst picture? You just don't. Like, in our family, Macy and I, if Macy doesn't even like the picture, I can't even keep it. It's like, Macy, you look so cute. Mm-mm, delete. <laughs> right? I'm like, that's really cute. As her face is like, that's cute. No, delete. So no way we're going to post that picture online. But as Christians, what we end up seeing is we always see these, these people posting these great pictures where, where they're knelt at the altar. And they're here, and they're like, God, you showed up. 
like you really showed up. And I'm like, God, but why haven't you been showing up in my life? Because every other day, this person, whoever this person is, is, is encountering the presence of God in such a real way, I must be doing something wrong. I must be really messed up. So then we start saying stuff, the cliche stuff, like, my relationship with God is really strong right now. You ever heard that? I can definitely, definitely feel the Holy Spirit at work in my life. And if the Holy Spirit is at work in your life and it's really good, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Ghost. Man, the Holy Ghost was fooling here this morning. Or then the opposite side, we say, I spiritually feel dry right now. This has been a really dry season for me. I just can't seem to feel the presence of God during this season. See, there's something about our walk with Christ that we base upon feelings. Is that fair or is that unbiblical? That's what I want to try to answer today. There seems to be many camps when it comes to emotions, but for the sake of time, we'll only just initially talk about a few. Camp number one is, I shouldn't experience emotions when it comes to God. Because, because it's just my emotions. And if it's just my emotions, then, then I shouldn't allow my emotions to dictate me. And these are the people in the room that, that don't like background music. They're like, it, 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 it's the background music that cultivated this this emotion within me. It wasn't what was saying. It wasn't a tender heart. It was the background music that sucked me in, right? We got some of those people in the room, don't we? I can't experience those emotions because they're, they're fake. And then we have those in the room who, um, I've never had emotions. So they're like, I don't even know if I know God because I've never experienced any emotion. I've never had any encounter. I just come to church. I read my Bible. I go home, rinse and repeat. I've never experienced anything. And then there's another camp, camp three. I always get emotional. And these people, they walk into church and tears are running down their face. Um, they're crying. They're shaking. They're always at the altar. Um, and it's like the moment that the piano keys hit, they're up here grabbing tissues. And you know what? They learned. Now they just got the tissues in here. Those who don't like emotions, those who've never experienced, and those who are, I don't want to say over-emotional, but really emotional. So I'm going to present some, point, some points today maybe for all three camps that they wish the other camp would hear. And here's what I want to say. Emotions are good, and emotions can be bad. And I believe that what happened this morning, we experienced some emotions. And those emotions came from God. Science has suggested that we cannot always prevent emotional responses to situations throughout the day. But we can control how long we focus and allow that emotion to be around, depending on where we put our attention. So, I get really mad. If I keep on focusing on how mad I am, I'm going to continually feel that emotion. 
But we have been told that if we look somewhere else and change what we're putting our attention on, that emotion can change. Often throughout our day, if I continue to focus on how crazy this person or that person or this thing or that thing is, if I continue to soak there and don't look to Jesus, I'm not going to be able to forgive. So science is actually right. What they're saying is, if you continue to look at the problem and then you don't look to Christ, you're going to continue to feel that emotion. So, to be clear today, whether you've had an emotional experience with God or not, it doesn't mean that you're saved. Some people who've had encounters with God might not be saved. Some people who haven't had encounters with God might not be saved. The opposite is true too. Some people who've had encounters with God are saved, and some people who haven't had encounters with God or experienced deep emotion with God are also saved. Why? Because salvation and a relationship with God is not based upon emotions. It doesn't mean that God is mad at you. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. But I do want you to know that according to the Bible, God wants you to experience emotions. God wants you to experience feelings. It's biblical. We see it all throughout the Bible. God gave us the ability to have emotions. And Scripture actually shares with us emotions we should have. Did you ever, have you ever considered that? That Scripture tells us, here's some emotions that you should have. And we're not going to address them all today. But the Bible tells us to have them. The Bible tells us to have feelings. <laughs> the first one, you're going to think, I'm a false prophet. But when we look to the Scripture, you're going to say, wait, what? So, the first emotion, and actually, how about this? The beginning of all wisdom is the emotion that God tells us to have. You know what it is? Fear. God wants us to fear. It's an emotion. It's a feeling he wants us to have. And you're like, but what about the scripture that says, thou shalt not fear? Well, thou shalt not feel fear evil. God wants us to fear him. Here it is, Proverbs 9.10. The beginning of all wisdom is the fear of the Lord. God wants us as individuals who are following him to fear him. And, and you wrestle it out the more that you love him, right? The more that, that you walk in obedience and submission to him. But at the end of the day, this is what I know, is he could kill me right now. He could take me right now. He has the keys. He has the power. He has the authority to put me wherever, whenever, if ever. The beginning of all wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Fear is an emotion, is a feeling that he wants us to feel. Psalms 31, 19. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. which you wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. God wants us to fear him. Number two, be glad and sing for joy. He wants us to experience joy. Psalm 67, four, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. 
for you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Psalm 66.1, shout joyfully to God, all the earth. God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be joyful. An emotion, a feeling that he wants you to have. God wants you to hate. What? That's a feeling that God wants you to have? Yeah. Psalms 97, 10. Hate evil. You who love the Lord, who preserve the souls of his godly ones, he delivers them from the hand of the wicked. So, it's okay to experience fear when we fear God. It's okay to hate evil. Not saying, I'm not giving you permission to hate someone who's evil, but the evil may be within them. It's okay to experience joy and be happy. He wants us to experience this idea of rejoicing. Philippians 4.4 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Romans 5 tells us to rejoice in our sufferings. He wants us to experience. Man, and I see so many people flipping through, trying to catch up. I told Bill, don't even worry about putting them on the screen today because I'm just going to present a lot of scriptures. Rejoice in our sufferings. And then God wants us to experience love, an emotion of love. Love God, love people. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. God asks us and tells us it's okay throughout Scripture to have emotions. Look, there's many more that we could talk about. Not only does Jesus tell us to have emotions and call us to have emotions, Jesus himself was emotional. He experienced them. Jesus experienced joy. John 15, 10 and 11. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus was frustrated. Matthew 23, 33 you snakes, you, you broad of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? He was frustrated. Disgust. John 2, 13 through 17. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, doves, and others sitting at the tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. He was disgusted with what was going on within um, the town. Jesus experienced sorrow. 
John eleven thirteen. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. In, in spirit and troubled. Jesus experienced sorrow. Sadness. Shortest Bible verse in the Bible. Many of us can say it. What was it? He, he wept. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. Jesus experienced emotions himself. So are, mo- are emotions good? Well, they don't always feel good, but they are something that God provided for us. So what that means is, if we had an emotional experience today during worship, we can't write that off as an emotional experience. Why? Because God gave us those emotions to experience his presence. So you know what? Maybe if you don't want to encounter those emotions, maybe it's you quenching the spirit. I said maybe. Don't think I'm pointing fingers. Jesus experienced um, compassion. He healed a woman who bled for 12 years. I mean, how many people did he heal? Compassion. Frustration. He asked his disciples in Mark 4, he said, why are you still, like, why are you afraid? Agony. Jesus knowing that he's getting ready to die for our sins in the garden of Gethsemane. And he says, Father, can this cup pass another way? He was sweating blood. Jesus experienced agony. Love. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whomever believes in him shall not perish, perish, but have everlasting life. Empathy. John 19, 25 through 27. In those verses, Jesus is on the cross dying for our sins, sacrificing his life. And he was willing to think about his mother, his earthly mother. Forgiveness. Matthew 5, 43 to 34. You have heard Uh, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecuted you. Jesus has experienced emotions. The list goes on. And with what I shared about what Jesus wants us to feel and what he experienced himself, it should be clear to us that emotions are something that God calls us to have. It's something that he wants us to experience. Scripture tells us that we should be people who feel emotions. Yet, there is an order to this. Our feelings and emotions must be ruled and led by truth. There was a kid once who said, "Um, I really like the feeling when I kiss girls. High school kid. Okay. I was getting ready to make another joke. I'm happy you do, okay? (laughs) We're on the right path, but let's chill out with that feeling, okay? 
because then you're going to know what it's like to have a baby pretty soon and you ain't going to like that feeling our feelings must be led by the word our feelings must be led by what's biblical not by just our own hearts having emotions does not save you feelings or and also feelings and emotions can also be dangerous so they can be good and they can be really 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 dangerous Ephesians 2.8 reminds us that our salvation does not come through works. It does not come through feelings. But what does it come through? Faith. Our, salva- our salvation is based upon faith. Our feelings are inconsistent. They're unpredictable. They are produced from the heart. And what does the word tell us about the heart? The heart is deceitful. I want to read you a a few verses about the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and sick. Who can stand it? Jeremiah 17, 9. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. We can't lean on our own understanding, right? Because if you do, then your emotions are going to take you somewhere else. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six. We can't base our relationship with God on some wavering feeling. I mean, it really depends on the day, whether you had your coffee or not. Is your family behaving if Ohio State won, which is more often than not, or if you got a ticket driving to church. What you're feeling is based upon kind of how your day's gone. But that doesn't change God's love for you. Our salvation comes through faith, not feelings. So why do we not experience God as much as we would like, right? How many of you guys, honest question, how many of you guys would like to experience God today? I want to experience God at a, like, at a serious level. I don't always know why I don't. I think back to um, several experiences that I've had with him, but it sometimes frustrates me that as a born-again believer, as someone who is a carrier of the Spirit of God. God is living in me, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. It frustrates me that with God living in me that I, I don't always experience Him the way that I want. And is that me doing something wrong, or is that just happenstance? Um, honestly, I am not God, so I cannot give an absolute answer on this. Yet I can try to encourage us to consider our heart. I think of many missionary friends that I've talked to, and what they do is they take the gospel message and they preach it in America, and they preach the good news of Jesus, and then you get ho-hum like three people responding to the presence of God. They preach the gospel message in America, and you get three people responding. And then they go across seas, and they preach the gospel message. And thousands of people 
are responding to the word of Jesus Christ? Why is it that in America you preach the same message and then in Africa you preach the same message and there's two different responses? The word has the same power. And what I might suggest is... um, not pointing fingers. Like, I can only say this, I can only preach this because I can be there at any moment. I've been there. I have to pick up my cross daily. But in other countries, are they maybe more desperate for God? And some, are, some of you are complaining right now, you better turn the air down because it's hot. And then there's others in here who are like, I can't believe how cold it is in here. Instead of pursuing the presence of God, you're worrying about the temperature in this room. If they would just get that right, I'd be more comfortable in here. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching. Meaning this. Look, sometimes in our local church, sometimes in my own heart, I become a professional Christian. And when I come into church, I'm not expectant. I'm just trying to get through it. I'm just trying to do what I'm supposed to do. Not every week, but if I would pursue the church like a child. See, it's like I could preach a message here as Joey, and it's like, well, that's Joey. But then I go preach a message somewhere where no one knows me, and they're like, that was a great message. And it's because sometimes what ends up happening is, is, our, is our heart builds up this expectation, our opinion, our preference, our style, and then we create an offense. And now we're focused more on our offense or our preferences more than we are the presence of God. And if we come into church on Sundays and we say, Nadine and Ron were really good this Sunday, it doesn't matter if they were really bad this Sunday. Because you, as carriers of the kingdom, can experience the reality of who God is, whether they were singing or not. What would it look like to not have any worship up here on Sunday morning and say, we're going to worship God? If we had a church that had no song leading, we wouldn't have a church. We wouldn't have people who come here on Sunday. You want to know why? Because they would say, I want to go somewhere where I'm comfortable and they have good music. So they'd say, I'm going to this church or that church. So then it's actually Sunday morning church isn't just about pursuing the presence of God and learning from his word. It's actually about finding a church that fits within my preference. And that could be driving, that could be preaching, that could be um, worship style. When can we lay down everything to encounter God's presence in such a way that it becomes all about him, not the worship, not the preaching style, but about his love for us, willing to lay down his life? And until we, until I am willing to give up my preferences and be willing to lay down everything that I have, I might... I'm not saying that there's a pattern to experience God's, or I'm not saying there's a one plus one plus one equals you encounter Christ. But I do know that the best way to experience God is to lay down everything that I have. Think about Paul. 
I wonder, I wonder when Paul was worshiping in a jail cell, who was running projection? Because you already know, like, we, we got one of those. We, I think it needs to be in the Smithsonian or the Billy Graham uh, Museum, whatever there is. We have the actual projector from Paul's jail cell. We got it. And Lisa was using it to, like, um, do this elephant up here. So she did the litter, litter. She did the elephant, and then she projected it on the wall. So I wonder who the projectionist was when Paul was worshiping. Because here's what I know. He was worshiping like this. He couldn't even get his toes to change the slides. He couldn't do anything. He was chained to a wall worshiping. And Paul's style of worship was powerful. You want to know why? It was so powerful in his pursuit and honor of God. And, it, and worship doesn't mean powerful when we just all sing the same songs. Worship is powerful when we say, I'm in a bad situation, and I'm not going to pursue my will, but I'm going to pursue. pursue and I, my allergies are going off today, so it just, like, messes everything up. I know I could hardly talk, but when my allergies are there, it makes it worse. But Paul's there, and he's chained to the wall, and guess what he's saying? In spite of my life sucking right now, in spite of my life being in a hard season, I'm going to declare the goodness of God in my life. It wasn't about the projector or the lights or the team or the anointed uh, voices. It wasn't about music or the harp or the piano or the pads or anything. Paul experienced God because he was willing to say, I love you and you are good when my life sucks. There was power in declaring God's goodness in a time, in an hour when you're in jail, when you're in prison. And many of us emotionally are in prisons today. And many of us physically are in prisons today. And many of us socially are in prisons today. And imagine if you would declare God's goodness even when you're in that prison feeling like there's no way out. That's when the encounter might come. Because it's not about, it's about, God was good to Paul no matter where he was, and that's when you experience God. When God is good no matter what happens to you, that's when you encounter his presence. Not when your preferences are met. So, what I want to say is this, is I shared this with the elders on Tuesday, is it's like, sometimes you just get disappointed because you're like, God, show up. Why aren't you showing up? But the fact of the matter is this, is God can show up every day in every moment of your life because he's living inside of you. The creator of the universe, if, you, if you've bowed your knee, if your tongue has confessed that Jesus is Lord over your life, you then become a born-again believer. Jesus, the creator of everything, is living inside of you. God is living inside of me. I am the new tabernacle, the temple, the, pres uh, the presence carrier. I am a presence carrier of the creator of the universe. We must guard our hearts and not let expectation, hurt, or preferences dictate our hunger. How many has been there? 
If this would just happen, if this, then I would be more hungry for God. I guess what I'm really saying is this, is if my heart is focused on my preference or my opinion, it isn't focused on God. My attitude is highly connected to my emotions. Therefore, if my attitude is one that is always critiquing, analyzing, judging, one that's always hurtful, doubting, whatever, it's not on God. There's a good chance that the emotional side of my relationship with God can be off or non-existent. Because what I'm asking God to do is to serve my world instead of me serving him. Does it change who he is, who he loves, or where he lives? My opinions don't change that. My thoughts, my preferences don't change that. So I want to wrap it up. And um, how do we fight these emotions? How do we fight bad emotions? How do we fight this heart? Well, number one is start thinking about godly things. Try that this week. (laughs) You know what I'm learning about myself is the more that I critique other people and things, and I don't critique you guys. (laughs) I don't have any opinions about you guys. (laughs) (laughs) they're all good, especially leaders. I love the leaders at this church. I do. Because I made that very passive joke. Leaders, I love you. I greatly appreciate your time, your efforts, um, your prayers, and your partnership here. I I really mean that. Um, But I need to think about godly things. And the more that I don't think about godly things, what I realize is this, is I don't know who I am. The less that I think about godly things, I don't know who I am, and here's why. I will critique certain areas or certain things or tell Urban Meyer how he's supposed to run a different play. And if he would have ran a different play, then we would have won the 2014 or 15 national championship. So there's this critiquing in me. And what I realize is the more that I critique, I don't know who I am because this, I'm only critiquing so that I can feel good about myself. Because when I critique, I've instantly taken myself to the top and said that I have the right answer. Are you with it? Do you understand it? I don't have the right answer. I don't have the right answers. I even asked Macy yesterday, do you think that we've perfected anything? Like, I asked her this, do you think a cup is really the best way to drink? Or is there just something out there we don't even know about? (laughs) She's like, well, we got backpacks that have straws. (laughs) I'm like, okay, (laughs) maybe that's the best way. Is a burrito really the best way to eat this Mexican food? Maybe there's another way. But think about godly things. Quit criticizing. When you think about the church, when you think about God, when you think about your neighbor, when you think about your coworker, when you think about your family, when you think about your friends, your animals, when you think about the smell of the church, because I'm frustrated with the musty smell in the church. When I think about things, I need to put them back to the Bible and think about godly things. So instead of saying, God, it smells musty in here, I can say, God, thank you for having a church. Thank you for believing in this community. Thank you that we have people each week who want to come here and not only serve you, but learn about you. Thank you that we have people who are willing to volunteer their time and lead worship and and 
pass the plate awkwardly and make weird eye contact with people. Thank you for people who are willing to put on grills and give money for things. Thank you for people who are willing to pray for one another, who are willing to bring in bottles and baby supplies. Think about those things. And then maybe there's some people who are like, we got a young pastor. Well, thank you that there's a person in the younger generation who wants to pursue Jesus Christ as the only way to heaven. Think about those things. Because I don't have time to critique anymore. Because it's not allowing me to walk in the presence of God and it's not leading me anywhere but hurt and doubt and more hurt and more frustration and more worry. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever, what, see, whatever, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If I want to encounter the presence of God, if I want to have appropriate emotions towards him, what am I supposed to do? think about godly things number two we remember Jesus lives inside of us no matter how you feel if you're a believer Jesus lives there Galatians 2 20 I am crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives within me Christ lives in you Paul says Christ lives in me not I live Christly he didn't say, I live Christly. He didn't say, I live like Christ. He said, Christ lives in me. So no matter what you feel, no matter what it looks like or whatever, Christ lives in you if you bowed your knee and confessed that he is king. It doesn't even matter. Ephesians 3, 17. That Christ may make his home in your hearts through faith. Christ lives in your heart. Doesn't matter if you feel it. Colossians 1, 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 2 Thessalonians 1, 10. When he comes to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at in all those whom have believed. Christ living in us is something to be marveled at. I do not need an emotional experience to know that everything is okay. Yet, emotions are important. I would not have a very successful marriage if I was non-emotional. I will not have a successful marriage if I continue to be too emotional. <laughs> Makes you like, preach! Preach! Can there be an altar call about that right now? <laughs> The final thing that I think will help us experience and walk in appropriate emotions is to forgive other people. Just let it go. Forgive today. Just because you do not feel as you used to does not mean you never will. Just because you don't feel something today doesn't mean that God's mad at you. 
So my conclusion is this. I believe that your lack of feelings could, keyword could, be an indicator of where your heart may be currently. Could be, not saying it is. It could also be an indicator of how tough of a season God is bringing you through. Hang in there. Don't give up. Become desperate for God. Like those in other nations, become desperate. There is an order to this thing with emotions. Our feelings and emotions must be governed and guided by truth. The key is not to pursue feelings themselves, but to pursue Jesus Christ by looking to him, knowing his way, pondering his promises, and obeying his commands. So if our faith is truly the pearl of great price, what can we do today to actively nourish this priceless treasure? Is he really the one thing the one thing that you need. And if that's the case, what can you do today to nurture that, to value it? Let's pray. Father, help us walk in an appropriate emotional relationship with you. Man, help us have googly eyes for you. Help us... Um, love you and fear you and help us not worry when you're silent help us just be at peace because we trust you father i pray for everyone in here who's um, been through an emotional roller coaster and i pray that as i say amen today that, that you would set us free that you would break those chains help us father think about positive things no justification Father, convict us. No justification of talking about negative things, Father. Bring peace this week. In Jesus' name, amen.